Is Chargers offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi holding the offense back? Today we are playing buy or sell with the Chargers' biggest storylines and overreactions from week one. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers for six seasons now, but we're heading into our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen today. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from. But first, you can only listen to today's podcast if your team is 1-0 after one week. Today, we are playing a little bit of buy or sell as we kind of figure out what we're going to do on these Tuesdays. We're going to try some things out, but I'm very excited about the conversation surrounding how much Joe Lombardi is holding this Chargers offense back, or if he is at all when the Chargers had a top five offense in 2021 and if Justin Herbert showed exactly why on Sunday he should be considered in the MVP conversation but we have more buy or sell than that because we're talking about if the Chargers offense will be fine without Keenan Allen that's a big question and if the Chargers maybe solved their problem at right tackle a problem for how many years now right but we'll also get into if we are buying the Chargers run defense being totally fixed after how bad it was in 2021 but today's episode of Lockdown Chargers is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is your daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than the Prize Picks projections, you can win up to ten times your money on your entry. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Lockdown. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Lockdown. So, David, I think this is easily the most discussed, you know, thing on Chargers Twitter, and I mean something that has disgusted it seems like a lot of Chargers fans and that was the way the Chargers offense looked especially late in the game I mean it's hard to find too many things wrong with it you know the first few drives in the first drive of the second half when the Chargers are putting up 24 points right seemingly pretty easily and that was with not converting a fourth down conversion in that span but we all know how conservative it got late and Joe Bombardi talked about it a little bit but we're playing buy or sell David so are you buying or selling the fact that Joe Lombardi is holding the Chargers offense back I'm going to buy it. I, I do think that Joe Lombardi is holding the Chargers offense back, and it's because this is a problem that we've seen dating back to last season with a lot of the play calling that we were uh, very uh, unsure about, especially on early downs. We just were expecting Joe Lombardi and Justin Herbert to be more aggressive on early downs, and that just did not happen. It seemed like there was a lot more running in, in those early situations than we would have liked, and it turned into some uneven offensive performances, even with an overall top five offense. You just look at Justin Herbert and what he is capable of doing, the throws that he's able to make, and you say, why can't we do this more? Why aren't we dialing up more deep shots? Uh, and we haven't really seen that. And hey, it's still early, so I'm not completely buying it, but I am definitely on the road to buying that. And Joe Lombardi even admitted, he said, hey, I probably got a little bit too conservative there towards the end of the game, and I didn't really like the way that looked. So hopefully that uh, ability to, to uh, recognize you know, those type of, of mistakes there and, and correct those moving forward, uh, we'll see a different, more aggressive Chargers offense. Well, so I think, I mean... For your answer specifically, I don't think it was the whole game. That's what I'm trying to get to here, right? Like, I, I felt like early in the game, the Chargers were taking shots. They took a shot to yeah. Keenan Allen on a big play, right? 
DeAndre Carter had a big touchdown as well. He had a 30-yard game besides that touchdown where they took a shot to him. They had what six plays of 19 or more, 18 or more yards in this game before it got super conservative, and that's only on passing plays for the Chargers. So, like, I I thought the offense looked exceptionally good early. I thought we saw them pushing the ball at least further down the field than we had seen in the past. I mean. Justin Herbert averaged 8.2 yards per attempt. Like, you don't get that by throwing the ball just around the line of scrimmage. I think that the pieces they had looked like they fit a lot better. Like, Gerald Everett looks much more fit for the role than someone like Jared Cook does, right? But I'm not absolving everything else because I did think late in the game they did get way too conservative, and this is what he said about it. I think if you pay attention to how the defense is playing, we felt like we were playing pretty well. I was probably watching some of those early games and seeing some teams come back, and that kind of weighs on your mind. But obviously, the narrative is told after it's all done. If we completed a couple of those passes or kept those drives going, you would have felt like you did it just right. We have faith in the offensive line. I think that we're going to grow and continue to be good there. Immediately after the game, I did feel like I got a little conservative there and wished I would have made a couple of different calls, but it worked out. Thank God. So thank God is right, Joe Lombardi. And he's right to some extent, right? I mean, you miss a field goal. Right. So 27 points feels a little better than 24 points, obviously. But, yeah. the, you know, the reason you didn't get a closer field goal, maybe a more makeable field goal was potentially because of how conservative you were right before that. Right. Trying to capitalize on a turnover of your own. If Trey McKitty doesn't drop a pass on the goal line, right, maybe they convert, maybe yeah. they go down score points, maybe things feel differently. But just the type of plays they ran like, yeah, every coach can be like, yeah, well, I felt like that running play was going to go for 15 yards, right? It's like, you also have to know how your rushing attack has been working. And so to go with those plays, especially on early downs late in the games, right? Not as much early in the game. I thought it was like, okay, yeah, I mean, you could hope those runs are going to go for first yards, but running two straight runs in a row is definitely too conservative. It's nice that he's admitting it. It's nice that he's out here in front of it saying, okay, hey, I know I was a little bit conservative because at this point, David Joe Lombardi's here to stay. So I am buying it a little bit that he's holding Justin Herbert back, but I do think it is a little bit overblown when you have three receivers who are averaging over 16 and a half yards per catch in this game. And all of them had at least three catches. It wasn't like one catch for 17 yards. So I did think a little bit that those guys were making some big plays, especially early on, but there is definitely some reason to worry about how that game ended for sure. Yeah, honestly, I just think it sticks in your mind more because it happened at the end of the game, right? Totally. You know, you just expect the this high-powered Chargers offense to put their foot on the opponent's throat and twist it and end it and put the game away. That's what you expect to see. That's what this offense is capable of doing. So when it doesn't happen and you kind of, you know, play not to lose and you don't play to actually just completely win the football game, that's where the frustrations I think come into play. So I understand. And I agree with you. I think in the beginning of the game, they were flowing, they were getting the ball out. They were taking some shots. Um, but that definitely quelled towards the end of the game. They got very conservative. They ran, uh, you know, several plays back to back, several running plays back to back. And it just felt like, oh, no, the Chargers are going to let this one slip away instead of just ending the game when they had the opportunity to. Yeah, I definitely think like this is a conversation we'll have on other weeks, I'm sure. But like it is something to monitor. You have to hope yeah. he evolves from it. Right. But it could be holding Justin Herbert back specifically, right? And I think that's the point. But Justin Herbert also was outrageous. And I mean, Joe Lombardi does deserve a little bit of credit there for when he looked really good. But it was so many crazy throws. The touchdown to you know, DeAndre Carter was nuts. The window he fit the Gerald Everett touchdown in was nuts. Keenan Allen, the throw to him the was throw to disgusting. Keenan Allen was like, ridiculous, yeah. I mean, all those throws, like, those dudes aren't open by many NFL standards, and he was still putting the ball in there. Overall, he goes, right, 279, three touchdowns, pass rating of 129.4, completes 76% of his passes. 
adjusted David, completion I mean, of over 84%. Yeah. Right, for sure. And, I mean, let's put it this way. Buy or sell this. Justin Herbert showed in week one why he can absolutely be the NFL MVP in 2022. Absolutely. I'm definitely buying that 100%. Justin Herbert going out here does does not skip a beat. It just the the same type of, uh, oh, this guy's going to have four or five or six wow throws every single game where you count on three, two or three fingers, other quarterbacks that can make those type of throws or will even attempt those type of throws. Justin Herbert belongs in that rarefied air and he didn't make any mistakes. He was incredible in the pocket, feeling pressure, moving around in the pocket, extended, extending plays, throwing on the run, throwing accurately. He didn't lose the Chargers the game. He put the Chargers in great position to win the football game. Justin Herbert just showing everybody that this is not an aberration. This is not a fluke. He is as good as he looks in this Chargers offense and the sky's the limit. 100%. 100%. It is, of course, with him. The sky is the limit. We know that, yeah, if he reaches his full potential, of course, he's going to be one of those guys that you think of as, as an MVP candidate. And he showed it. He was ridiculous. Like, it sucks for him because he's going up against guys like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, who just threw for five touchdowns at 360 yards. And the frustrating yeah. thing is, it felt like if the Chargers had kept their foot on the gas pedal, Justin Herbert could have easily gotten 360 in five touchdowns. Oh, yeah. He had the opportunities to do it, and that's where part of that frustration Especially if they is, if they scored off of freaking turnovers like they had many opportunities to do. 100%. I think the other thing, too, about Justin Herbert is everyone wanted to freak out about 15 interceptions. That dude didn't put the ball in any danger a single time and nope. threw it 32 times, right? 34 times, one of those two. I mean, it was insane. Like, that dude never put the ball in danger a single time, and he was still taking shots and being aggressive when it called for it. So, Justin Herbert, <laughs> you start to run out of words with that dude because he is just that, that good. But that was only part of the biggest questions that we had, right? I think one of the biggest things on everyone's mind right now is what's going to happen with Keenan Allen because Keenan Allen is obviously, you know, the Chargers' best receiver, and I think he showed that in a quarter and a half on Sunday. He was he's still their leading receiver when the game ended, which is insane. But – he is not going to be there potentially this week. I mean, I'm almost guaranteeing he's not going to be there for Thursday night football this week. Will the Chargers offense be fine by or sell that? Or if the Chargers have solved their right tackle problem, we'll talk about projecting that. But when I am making projections, I go with one site, my favorite daily fantasy site. And of course, I'm talking about prize picks, where it's you versus prizepicks.com's projections. And all you have to do is go with someone like Mike Williams. Will he go over 65 yards in Nick's next game? We have more than 65 yards. That's where you go. You go to pricepicks.com. I think Mike Williams, spoiler alert, could be down for a giant game this week after going almost completely, you know, disappearing in week one. But with price picks, basically you pick two to five players. And then if they have more than what price picks projections are, you win and you can win 10 times your money on any entry. That is something that is nuts. It's one of the best things, especially with football season right now. I mean, I loved price picks week one of the NFL. Absolutely loved it. But it's not just NFL. You can go to NBA, MLB, NHL, MMA, golf, whatever you're looking for, you can find price picks there and bet against those projections. And when you're using price picks, it's so much fun. And you can even have some free money since you listen to this show. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on since you listen to this show. That means if you deposit $100, price picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, price picks will give you $50. So make sure you go to pricepicks.com. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. I also need to tell you guys about something that I've been using every single day, and that is AG1 from Athletic Greens. I was heard a bunch about this on the podcast, on other podcasts and stuff like that. I'd heard a lot about it. It's hard to 
really encapsulates everything that AG1 does for you. I mean, there's so many different benefits to it. I use it every day, but this is what it is. One delicious scoop of AG1 and you're getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole, fo- whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, and much more. But a lot of people are taking you know, some sort of multivitamin, and it's important that you choose one with high-quality ingredients. And when you're having AG1, it's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, The AG1 contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything. So right now, guys, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. It's super easy. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to help look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Dave, well, we are doing buy or sell here with the biggest storylines and overreactions from week one. And then one thing that I think maybe there's some overreaction to, I don't know, it's hard to say because he is such an important player, is Keenan Allen and what his absence is going to be in to the Chargers offense. So, David, I'll make it as simple as this. Are you buying that the Chargers offense will be fine without their star receiver, Keenan Allen? If you would have asked me this question last year, I would have said absolutely not. There's no way they're going to crumble. But with the emergence of Josh Palmer and what DeAndre Carter has shown us here after week one, he's going to be very, very involved in this offense. He's not just here to be a special gadget weapon. This is a guy that can really you know, really play as a wide receiver and has really garnered the trust of his quarterbacks, especially with Justin Herbert and Joshua Palmer. We've already seen him been thrust into action last year where Keenan Allen had to miss some time. He was thrust into action and he performed very, very well in that same role. I think he, you know, he's just a very smooth route runner, has very strong hands, uh, does well in the contested catch situations. I think because the Chargers have some quality depth in their wide receiver room, obviously no one is Keenan Allen. Obviously Keenan Allen is one of the best receivers in the league and has been consistently year after year after year. But these two guys together mixed in with Gerald Everett, I really love the receiving options that the Chargers have. So I am going to buy it. I do think the Chargers will be okay without Keenan Allen for a little while. I think so, too. I mean, I, I'm buying that they'll be fine. I mean, it's always going to hurt. There's no one that can sit here and tell me, oh, hey, the Chargers offense is going to be better or even just as good without Keenan Allen. But even a, you know, if you take away Keenan Allen, if the Chargers offense without Keenan Allen is firing all, on all cylinders, they'd still be one of the best offenses in the league to me. Yeah. It also has to do with the receivers two, three, and four have to step up, right? Because DeAndre Carter was receiver five, right? Wide receiver five yeah. for the most part. He had a huge preseason and training camp, mostly just training camp where he was just awesome. But yeah. it's going to have to look a lot better than this if the Chargers offense is going to be fine without Keenan Allen. Jalen Guyton, remember him? Anyone here from Jalen Guyton? Zero catches on one target on Sunday. Yeah. Josh Palmer had three catches for five yards because of that cute you know, screenplay that they pulled out in the preseason and he looked awesome and he's the next best receiver, got stuff for like a negative five-yard loss. Three yeah. catches for five yards. Mike Williams, the most important one here, two catches for 10 yards. So Joe Lombardi did say that Josh Palmer is sliding into the Keenan Allen role of the Chargers offense, and Keenan Allen moves around a lot, but he's the Z wide receiver in the Joe Lombardi offense, so he's going to have a big role. 
And I trust him. This is his opportunity. We talked about it and we said it before the season. Hey, we feel like if this guy, if anyone gets hurt, this is the dude who's going to be able to step up. And if he is the guy that's called upon, he's going to have a big season. That's how I felt before the season. The one game of three catches and five yards isn't going to hold me back from that right now. I think Josh Palmer's in for big things. And I think it, you're going to get to see it a little bit with Keenan Allen potentially missing some time, but it is still going to hurt the Chargers offense, especially in a game like this week with the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night. But let's go to the offensive line, Dave, because the offensive line played exceptionally well, right? As a an offensive line, they give up six pressures against Chandler Jones and Max Crosby and the rest of the Raiders pressure or pass rush, right? They gave up eight as a team. A couple of those were tight ends and running backs. It was a crazy game. And I think maybe the most surprising part is what happened with Trey Pipkins, David, because Trey Pipkins, we all knew this was the biggest spotlight issue for the Chargers. We know how bad Storm Norton was against this Raiders team in the last game of the season to potentially keep the Chargers out of the playoffs as it did. He only gave up two pressures in this game. He gave up one hurry, one hit, according to pro football focus, but he looked good. I mean, he didn't look like he was getting absolutely overwhelmed out there. And the buy or sell was this, have the Chargers solved the right tackle issue? I'm not buying it yet. I'm Which sorry. Means you're selling it. <laughs> I am selling it here. I, I need a lot more time. I need more consistent performances out of Trey Pipkins before I can say, yes, the Chargers have found their right tackle of, of the future. This is it. He's the guy. I'm sorry. I'm just not ready to do that yet. I mean, he had a good game. I'm happy that he had a good game. The Chargers also had a very good protection plan to help Trey Pipkins out. And especially with Gerald Everett, Gerald Everett was fantastic as a receiver in this game, but also phenomenal as a blocker as well. He was used on that side on Trey Pipkins side multiple times to help chip, to help block. Um, They had a really good plan put together to really kind of ease Trey Pipkins into this game. That's something I wanted to see. That's something that we did see in this football game. So I'm happy about that, but you're going to have to show me every single game, game in and game out. You're going to have to put five, six, seven, eight games together before I'm willing to say, yes, the chargers have solved their right tackle situation. Hundred percent. I'm selling it for now, but I'm I guess as close to buying it as I've ever been. Right? Yeah. Like that's kind of what it feels like. I mean, I think the great thing about this game is, first of all, he did look much improved, and the Chargers oh, yeah. were better at that position than they were in 2021 through one game, which is important. We have an incredibly small sample size as we see it right now, and against those rushers too. But he did it against Max Crosby for the most part. So that's the point that gives you, you know, the most. The most respect for his game, right? The most promise yeah. in his game. I can't find the word I'm looking for, but uh, you you trust him more. That's the main thing. You trust him more than well, like you that ever was a, that was the test, right? Like that 100%. was a massive test. That That's a hundred yeah. million dollar pass rusher that he went up against, and he was able to stifle him for most of the game. The dude literally led the NFL in pressures last year and he got two against Trey Pipkins. So that that's a huge win for the Chargers. And I think the best part of it is like you just saw that even with that big question mark there. First of all, I answered it week one, but you can get through these games without right tackle being the main issue. And the Chargers protected him a bunch, not just with, you know, the Gerald Everett's, but the play calling as well. I think mm-hmm. that's part of the conservative nature they went to wait in the games because they knew they had those two guys coming off the edge at Justin Herbert. And you don't want to have that game change plans. Well, too bad. Just go for it anyways. But not the point. I think that did play a factor in it. And I think one of the things that's going to come along, especially for the him and the rest of the offensive line, is the run blocking. Because we've been hyping up this running back room. Didn't really live up to the hype in week one. Kind of a subpar performance for the rushing attack as a whole. So we're going to talk about, did we overhype the Chargers running back room? We're also going to get into, if we're trusting this Chargers new physical run defense and how much better it played in week one against the Raiders. And much more, including... 
Is a bad move to cut Braden Fehoko for the Chargers? I'm going to say yes. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But I do need to tell you guys about the official betting sponsor of the Lockdown Chargers podcast. And I'm talking about betonline.net. BetOnline is where I was very busy with on Sunday when all of these games were happening. Just, I mean, what, 10 straight hours, nine straight hours of football just straight into my butt. And I was going with BetOnline, who has the best, most creative ways to bet that you're, bet that you're going to find out. There are a ton of props that you can pick. A ton of fun, creative ways to get involved. And also live in-game betting, which is also a great and a must with anything you're betting with right now. But there's so many things to choose from. You can even go with player props and what they're going to do over underwise during the games and so many other great things even outside of football because you can go pretty much any sport, anything you want to bet on, you can bet on at betonline.net. Whether that's UFC on the weekends, right? Whether that's boxing, golf, whatever, you can always bet on it with betonline.net. The best place to place your bets. But Make sure you guys head to the website or use your mobile device today to learn more about the trends and the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, David, well, I teased the running back room a little bit, and it was a an underwhelming performance, right? Just about two and a half yards per carry for the Chargers. New look running attack, right? And Austin Eckhart didn't do great. Average 2.6 yards per carry in this one. Not all of his fault, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Josh Kelly, I thought, looked good. Four, four carries, 21 yards. The burst still looked like it was there, and it was working against, you know, first-string people, as it did against the Saints' first-team defense, you know, in that first game. But are you selling or buying, David, that we maybe overhyped the Chargers running back room too much? Yeah, I'm selling it. I mean, it wasn't a great performance here in, in the first game, but I'm not saying that this group is, is not going to find their stride because I, I think a, a couple of reasons. One, we did see Josh Kelly translate, you know, from training camp into this first regular season game, and he looked good. He looked yeah. explosive. He looked fast. He looked decisive. He seems like, hey, this is a guy who deserves to get some more carries. Sonny Michelle is brand new to the Chargers, only got here a couple of weeks ago, so I'm sure he's still learning the playbook, still trying to get comfortable. We didn't yeah, see anything start. of Isaiah Spiller because he was, you know, nursing an injury, Inactive. coming back from an injury. So yeah, I don't think play. we've seen what this entire running back room is capable of doing. And also, yeah, Austin Eckler didn't run the ball particularly well, but he still caught the ball very well, averaging nine yards a catch there with Austin Eckler. So it's yeah. not just about the running ability with Austin. It's the complete game, and we know what he brings to the table. He was still yeah. a productive member of this running back room. I still just think we haven't seen the full abilities of what this room can be, um, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. Totally. And, and it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, Austin Eckler has a quiet game and he has 82 yards of total offense, right? So it's like, that's your bad game. And you're still accounting for that much in a game where you only average 2.6 yards per carry. You will take that. But yeah, Sony Michelle, not a great first game for him. I mean, he had a couple opportunities. The blocking wasn't great in front of him. And I think that's one of the things, even though a lot of guys weren't terrible run blocking in this one, it just seemed like and even Joe Lombardi said, like, there was just one guy on each play that wasn't quite getting to the spot he needed to. And run blocking is one of those things where it takes a little bit more time, especially for yeah. this team. You know, first time going up against another team, right? Like, Zion Johnson played great. You know, Trey Pipkins yeah, played well. Like, Corey Lindsley's still a freak and is just an absolute pro, stud baby. in the middle. But, like, Rashawn Slater, of course. I mean, I don't even have to tell you. But it, it's just... It wasn't the connectivity wasn't there for the offensive line to really kind of break off some runs. They had some chances. It didn't work out, but I'm definitely selling it right now. Uh, I, I mean, I, you definitely want to see it be more effective, but I, I think the hype is right there. And I think, you know, if Sonny Michelle 
maybe you know it's isaiah spiller next time we get to see a little bit of that because that's still kind of the x factor we have to see now that the real games have started but let's get to the other side of the ball and the chargers run defense because that was something that was a huge storyline the biggest storyline maybe outside of right tackle going into this season only gave up 64 rushing yards in this game david a total kind of 180 from the last game of the season last year where the running attack from the raiders literally ended the Chargers' season this week, it was a lot more manageable, and the Raiders didn't really run the ball a lot, I think, because of the early success of the Chargers' run defense. But are you buying that the Chargers' run defense is fixed? I'm going to say, yeah, I am buying it. And Ooh. the reason why is because of kind of what Brandon Staley said. You know, it, those, those runs look different this year. I mean, th- they do. They're, they're not bursting through gigantic holes like they were last season. They're a lot more. They're making the running backs move a lot more. They're making them have to create a lot more. And the linebackers are more active stopping their run. I think we saw a decent game out of Kenneth Murray because of the guys that were in front of him and kind of eating up those blocks. That's why I am, because that looks different. That's the the beef in the middle. You know, it's noticeable. The strength yeah. in the middle from Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day is very, very clear to see when you put on the tape and you watch those guys. They're not giving up much ground. They're not uh, allowing a lot of sure. space for running backs to run through. Yeah. <laughs> So th- I'm selling it for now. Uh, I, I liked the way that they looked. I mean, the Raiders did average 4.9 yards per carry, right? That's not a number that you want to see. That's a very effective rushing attack. It was really good in the first half. It wasn't good in the second half. And I think it could be for a myriad of reasons. But as yeah. much as you like this seven carries, 14 yards in the first half, you don't like six carries for 50 yards in the second half, right? That's true. Especially on back-to-back-to-back plays where they get seven, 18, and six. Right. And are yeah. just really blowing guys off the line of scrimmage. I thought part of that was Jerry Tillery, who I didn't think was good in this game. He was in, I think, because they thought the Raiders were going to be throwing more because the Raiders were down double digits and he was getting kind of blown off the ball a little bit. Was not a factor in the running game, did not record a pressure in this game, even though I thought the interior push by the Chargers defensive line as a whole was really good. Sebastian Joseph Day is the truth, right? The physicality was there. They weren't getting blown off the ball like you're talking about. It did look different in that sense. I need to see more of it. Just like I need to see more of Trey Pipkins, I need to see more of this because I also didn't really fear the Raiders rushing attack going into this game. There's a bunch of new offensive linemen, a bunch of super inexperienced dudes, and they still average 4.9 yards per carry. Like A lot of that's a 118-yard run that you give up, kind of boost that a little bit, and it was only 13 carries that they did it on, so you didn't let them just – totally you know run it 36 times like we saw the teams do against the Chargers last year because that was a problem teams would just continue to lean on that continue to shorten the game it wasn't that and I am 100% buying that the Chargers defense is much improved totally fixed it's going to take a little bit of time for that one but one of the ways that I think they got worse in that aspect is the Chargers ended up waving defensive tackle Braden Fehoko who was a healthy scratch in the game he was just an inactive for the game against the Raiders to bring back Christian Covington. And there's a couple of reasons financially why they could have done it right. Brayden Fayoko would have had to gone through waivers if they had released him right before they, you know, when they ended up doing their final 53-man roster, as opposed to Christian Covington, who came in as a veteran, so he just was straight released, right? He didn't have to go through the waiver wire. Nobody had a chance to pick him up in that sense. Still, David, pretty confusing to me because, I mean, Brayden Fayoko I didn't think Christian Covington was bad in training camp or the preseason when I saw him. I just thought Brayden Vajoko was significantly better than he was. So this is a head-scratching mood in me. And even though it is, you know, defensive tackle six or wherever you want to do it, like I thought he was like the second best defensive tackle in, throughout training camp. 
Yeah, this is one of those moves I just don't understand. Uh, I, I don't get it. I didn't understand why they made Braden Fehoko inactive the first game either. I, I just felt like he was a guy over that, at Tito Abonia too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't hear Tito Abonia's name at all in that game. I, I mean, did he even play? I mean, that that's the thing. He was unnoticeable, and so for them to bring back Christian Covington, who did nothing in the preseason, like nothing at all. He was invisible against a lot of guys that were not going to make any NFL teams. So you were expecting a guy, a veteran, you know, of the, of that stature to go out there and, and dominate uh, in that situation, in that environment. And that didn't really happen, but you know, who did take advantage of their opportunities in preseason, Braden Fehoko. He made plays. You saw it. You saw his impact. And so to see that they waived Trish, you know, waived him to sign Christian Covington, maybe it was just for the money situation. I mean, that, you know, that, that is obviously a part of it, yeah. but I don't see it. If you look at these two players and you can tell me with a straight face that Christian Covington was a better player than Braden Fehoko. I'm sorry. I'm not buying that. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I don't see why you make the move now. Like, I mean, if it is like the contract thing, I guess I get it. But like, you can't really argue it's based on production. I mean, experience-wise, yeah, Christian Covington's more experienced, but Brayden Fayoko had actual, you know, backfield production as in getting into the backfield and tackling guys for losses. And, I mean, just looked so much better this offseason. And, I mean, especially since I am selling the total fix of the Chargers run defense, like, it's not a guy that hurts you there. While you have Jerry Tillery who got his opportunities in a more specialized role where he could get in there and rush the passer more, and he had zero pressures against an interior offensive line that we were hugely questioning before the game. So didn't make a lot of sense to me. Nothing against Christian Covington. I think he's fine, right? I think he's he was good in spots for the Chargers last season, and he probably won't see the field a ton as Brayden Fehoko was just inactive. Did wonder if the Chargers didn't like Fehoko kind of putting out the day before, that it seemed like he kind of, said he wasn't going to play. Like, he kind of told everyone he was inactive before he actually was inactive. He said, like, oh, like, you know, what are your project? What do you think you're going to do tomorrow? And he's, like, eat a bunch of popcorn or something along those lines. But it was yeah. just weird. He's such a fan favorite player. Uh, such a good energy guy that, like, yeah, that ho- plus hopefully being he gets the better back player. To the Chargers, man. Yeah. Plus being just competition-wise, like, if you want to keep the best players, it's hard to argue that when you're cutting someone like Braden Fehoko and brings them in like Christian Covington, it seems Covington, it seems like it's kind of, you know, going against that mantra. So that is a little, you know, shallow, I guess, in, in some sense, but we'll see what happens. You know, it's a long season. We'll kind of see how it goes. And if he doesn't end up in the Chargers practice squad, I'm really, really pulling for that dude to get an opportunity where he can show just how much he's improved because he looked like a really good player. One more really quickly, David, we don't have a ton of time left, but I have one more buy or sell for you. And that is Asante Samuel Jr. had a bad game. Are you buying that or selling that? I mean, hey, he went up against Devontae Adams as the best (laughs) receiver in the NFL. I mean, pretty much by a mile. And yeah, I mean, if you look at the stats, five catches, 72 yards, definitely not great. But Devontae Adams is doing that to pretty much anybody. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think he he cut some slack to uh, Asante. And I like the way he battled. You know, he did get a really good pass breakup. And, you know, he left his man in Hunter Renfro and grabbed a phenomenal interception that you know Carr was targeting Devonte adams on that play so i mean hey you, i think you chalk it up to going up against Devonte adams I, I mean that guy is superhuman as as you saw the, the raiders threw it to him a ton and he had a ton of production yeah i mean i guess it, it wasn't a good game but i loved yeah. it at the same time it was kind of a weird thing i mean he gave up 41 yards in total pff had him giving him nine receptions for 108 yards and a touchdown so that is something that 
overall, it's hard to argue that's a good game. But you saw the moments, and you also just saw the competitiveness. Like, first yeah. of all, he had the interception, which was an incredible. Like, the ball skills are 100% there. That dude has ball oh, yeah. skills. And that tracking ability, leaving your man in coverage to go get that ball was super impressive. He had a great pass breakup on Devontae Adams as well. Had good coverage on Devontae Adams in the end zone on the one play. He didn't give up a touchdown to Devontae Adams, which he also did. And he still had pretty good coverage on that. And I think it's just... You see it there, the competitive fire there, especially coming back from that concussion. That's stuff, what you love. All of those problems that you had last year. Like to see that dude coming back and wanting that assignment and knowing, hey, I'm probably going to get torched by like, how am I supposed to prove I'm a really good cornerback in this league unless I go do it against someone like Devontae Adams? He had some wins in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think yeah. those wins are going to be such a confidence boost for him. Yes, there were some bad moments, but I think that's going to be such a huge game. And the potential growth of Asante Samuel Jr. And even in a bad game, I still felt more confident in him than I did in Michael Davis in this one. So huge on, you know, I, I really am bullish on what Asante Samuel Jr. can do, especially after you get someone like J.C. Jackson back. And he's going up against, you know, the other team's second best receiver or however it plays out. But that's going to do it for us today. You're going to want to be back here tomorrow because it is an extra special crossover Wednesday edition with the Lockdown Chiefs podcast to talk about Thursday night football, the Chargers in prime time with a chance to go 2-0 in the division. And we'll see what happens with J.C. Jackson. We'll see what happens with Keenan Allen. But make sure you're back here with for that tomorrow and to make sure you don't miss it. Go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcasts from. We're at Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can find us wherever and make sure to rate and review if you like the show as well. We always appreciate that. If you want to find the show, we also post it every day to all of our social media. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DrotalkSD, and his DMs are always open. You can also find the show's page at LockedOnLAC. You can find us on Instagram at LockedOnChargers and our LockedOnChargers Facebook page. Thank you guys so much for all of your support. On the post-game show yesterday, I mean, it was already over 5,000 as we are recording this just on YouTube. So we really appreciate that, and we're going to keep those post-game shows coming for you guys. But tomorrow is Crossover Wednesday, so make sure you're back here for that. Until then, take it easy and go balls.